All right, if you turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to continue our series on the third option. And I'm just going to review for a moment, but we are going to start in the book of 1 Samuel. And I want to take a moment just to kind of go over what we've talked about over the last several weeks. We've been talking about this third option, and what I mean by that is this. I believe what the devil tries to do in our life is limit our choices, at least make us think that our choices are limited. He wants you to believe that you are really stuck, that you are caught between a rock and a hard place. The devil wants you to believe that you have two choices, and they look like this, bad and worse. You have to choose between the lesser of two evils. And, and when you get in those kind of situation, you feel stuck and you get frustrated and you don't know what to do. What do I do about my family? What do I do about my kids and my finances? And, and you're just kind of stuck and you just don't know what to do. And we looked at a portion of scripture from 2 Kings chapter 6 where there was a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha had prophesied something that the king did not approve of. So the king sent an army out to kill Elisha, and he was in a house, and he was with his servant, just him and his servant. And the Bible says that this great army surrounded them, and the servant went out, and he saw these men with, with swords drawn and spears and bows and arrows pointed right at them. And he comes back in and says to Elisha these words, what do we do? And some of you, that's where you're at. What do I do? What do I do about my retirement? What do I do about this illness, this sickness? What do I do about my marriage? I mean, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And so he goes back in and says that to Elisha, thinking to himself, we've got two choices. Huh? Because there's only two of us and there's an army of them. So here's our choices. Surrender. That's our first choice. So just Let's get a, a white sheet, rip it up, put it on a stick, and just pray that they have mercy on us. You know, just, just wave the white flag. Or we could do this. Let's just go out guns blazing. Let's just go out there and charge and see what happens, you know? I mean, those are the, the, the things the enemy tries to get you to think. that That's it. That's your only two choices. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be sick. You're going to be on a limited income. You're going to be on medication. He tries to think that your options are limited. What I believe is that there is a third option. But the third option you have to see with your spiritual eyes. You really do. But it's always there. So listen to what happened in 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6, when the servant came in and said to Elisha, what do we do? It says this in verse 16. It says, so he, this is Elisha saying back to his servant, he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hallelujah. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So his spiritual eyes were open, and he saw that there really was more with them than there was against them. And you said, just, and my, myself and, and for you, we just need to see with our spiritual eyes that really there is another option. 
There is another option besides being sick all of our life or, or having a miserable marriage or getting stuck in, in a relationship where it's constantly just a dead end. There is another option, but we have to see it with our spiritual eyes. But we looked last week, and I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, catch the podcast because we talked last week, we went through all these different scriptures that shows us that first we have to hear it with our spiritual ears. Look at the progression of what happened. The servant first heard the promise. What was the promise? Do not fear. There's more with you than there is against you. He first had to hear it, and then Elisha prayed, and his eyes were opened. And we looked last week at different scriptures where we saw, first you hear, and then you see. First you hear, and then you see. First you hear the promise, And then you see that God has made a way where there seems to be no other way. And in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12, it says this. The hearing eye and the seeing ear, seeing seeing, seeing eye, just had to check there. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, God has made them both. He made them both. First the hearing ear and the seeing eye, God has made them both. So God has made them both. And I read a quote last week from Helen Keller, who was both blind and deaf. And she said something that I just found so fascinating. She said, blindness, it separates people from things, but deafness separates people from people. That's powerful. So we have to understand that spiritual deafness separates us from the voice of God. And if we're separated from the voice of God, our spiritual eyes will never be open to see what God has available to us. So the most important thing we can do is hear the voice of God. So I want to talk to you today about hearing the voice of God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, it tells the story. Now, I grew up in church, and Mark was talking about this earlier. I grew up in church all my life. I remember having books on on 1 Samuel. I remember books and I, I saw the pictures of Samuel on his little mat. He had a little mat. This is what I saw, a little mat. And, and here he was. He looked like he was about 10 years old. And the Bible says that he was in the house of God ministering. And so what happened is the Bible says that the word of the Lord, in verse 1 it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days or precious in those days. In other words, God did not speak that often. That word actually means this. It means that it was valuable. Anything that is rare is of value. So it was valuable. To hear God's voice was very valuable. And we today have to still consider the voice of God extremely valuable in our life. And so here was Samuel. He was, he was just ministering. He was asleep. And the Bible says, and God spoke. Listen to what it says. And God spoke, the Lord called Samuel. Look at verse 4. The Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lied down. So here is Samuel in the middle of the night. Middle of the night, he just hears this voice. He just hears this voice. Sometimes I hear those voices. You ever hear the voice in the middle of the night? I say, Cynthia. Go check that out. What is that? That's something. I hear, I hear something. Let me know. Come back and let me know what it is. And so he just heard this voice in the middle of the night. And he came running. This is how intently 
and how serious God is about wanting you to hear his voice. It's so clear that it sounds just like a human voice. Do you hear me now? It wasn't so mysterious. There wasn't clouds and lightning and thunder and you know, he didn't sound like James Earl Jones, and he didn't, he, he didn't have, a, you know, this strange voice. It was so clear it was a human voice. Human voice. Now, it wasn't, it was God speaking, but that's what, that's what Samuel thought. See, we make the voice of God to be so strange and so mysterious, but the truth is, is that if we listen and learn how to really focus on the voice of God, you'll find that the voice of God is not that mysterious. It's not that strange. You can hear it on a regular basis. Hear the voice of God. It's kind of like this. I remember when my wife and I first started dating, I went over to her grandmother's house, and uh, her grandmother didn't speak any English, and she always had chihuahuas. Those little, you ever see those little dogs? I had one myself. Never again. In fact, I found out that they're really not dogs, they're rats. It's part of the rat family. That's a true story. I read that on the internet. It's true. If the internet says it, it has to be true. So, so she had these little chihuahuas that were running around, and uh, they would just yap the whole time. And, um, and I remember she would talk to them in Spanish. And I remember when I first went over there, gringo, going over to the house, I first went over there, I remember listening to her talk to them in Spanish, and I'm like, wow. These dogs speak Spanish. <laughs> this is amazing. These dogs are super smart. I mean, I can't believe that they, they speak Spanish, thinking that they learned Spanish after they learned English. You know, I mean, that's how my brain was working. But the truth is, is that if you're here today and you speak Spanish, guess what? God will speak to you in Spanish. If Samuel was Spanish, here's what it would look like. Mira. That's exactly what it would have happened. If Samuel was Jamaican, it would have been, hey, man. I mean, it would have been something like that. If Samuel was Chinese, I have no idea what he would have said, but it would have been Chinese. God wants to speak in your language so that you can understand. God wants to be heard. He wants to be heard. Now, what do we need to listen for? Let me give you two things you need to listen for. The first one is this. You need to listen to what God has said. That's the first thing. The first thing you need to focus on in your life is what God has said. Now, let me just tell you, this is how you find out what God has said. It is all contained in the pages of this book. Let me just tell you, I, I believe in this book I believe that this book is truth. I believe this book is our foundation. This book from cover to cover is God's word, God speaking to us today. And you need to know what God has said. In fact, the majority of your Christian walk, you'll find in the pages of this book. You want to know what to do? You open up the Bible. You open up the word of God and you spend time. Listen, it is true in every country of the world. The Word of God is our moral foundation. It is our compass. It leads and it guides us. The psalmist said, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. He said, Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you find out what God has 
said. And then the second thing you need is you need to find out what God is saying, okay? So first, you need to know what God has said. And then you need to also study what God is saying to you. And you need both. I said you need both. The reason why you need both, let me give you this example. Before we bought this building and moved into this building, we were meeting at an office on Fairlane Farms Road, and we, I remember we had small groups in the office, and I was in a small group with some guys, and there was just about six or seven guys, and there was one guy there, and he said this, you know, we're kind of going around, how was your week? We're talking about different things, and we get into the Word of God, begin to talk about it. He said, well, God spoke to me this week. We said, well, what did God say? He said, God spoke to me this week that he wasn't going to heal me. And I'm kind of like, I object. I raised my hand and I said, listen, I, I, I just, I don't know what happened. All I know is this. That was not the voice of God. And here's how I know. Because it contradicts what God has already said. Nothing that God is saying to you today or tomorrow or next week will ever contradict what he has already said. Everything that God is saying will always line up with something that God has already said. Everything that I say, you need to check it out. You need to make sure that it's in the pages of this book because nothing I ever say from this pulpit or any guest speaker or anybody should ever share, any of our pastors should ever contradict what God has already said. Amen? Nothing's more important than you finding out what God has said and then also what God is saying. The two will balance themselves out. You need both in your life. You need both. And here's why you need both. Because you need to find the will of God. And the will of God really can be divided up into two different areas. You need to know the general will of God for your life. The first area is the general will of God for your life. The general will of God for your life is you love God with all of your heart. You love your neighbors, you love yourself. You walk in peace and you walk in love and, and, and you feed the poor and you clothe the naked. You evangelize your neighbors and your co-workers and, and you pray and you worship. You lift your hands and, and you give and, and, and be generous. That's the general will of God for your life. How many of you know you don't need to pray about that? You don't need to pray about that. I don't need to pray about whether I should witness or evangelize or worship. I don't, need, I don't come in here this morning and say, God, if you just speak to me, I'll lift my hands. And God, I just need to hear your voice so I know that I'm okay to worship today. No, God has already said, lift your hands in the sanctuary. So you know if he said it, you can already do it. You already know what he said. That's the general will of God for your life. And it's true of everybody on earth. But then there is the specific will of God for your life. The specific will of God is for you personally. It's for Brian Rosenbarger. It's for me, my family, my house, and, and, and my life. And okay, and, and it's what career path God wants you on. It's, it's where does he want you to live. It's, it's who he wants you in relationship with. It's, it's, it's all those specific, detailed things that God wants for your life. And for that, you need to hear the voice of God for your life. You need to hear the voice of God. So you need to find out what God has said, and then you need to find out what God is saying. And those are incredibly, incredibly important in your life. Now, I want to give you just a couple places, couple things 
for you to, to do, to position yourself, practical steps for you to hear the voice of God. And the first one is this. And they're all just two words. Just two words. Write these down. Number one, stand still. Stand still. And what I mean by stand still is you have to cut out the distractions. If you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to, you've got to stop the distractions. When I, I do my devotion time, I don't use my phone or tablet. And the reason is, is because you, you've heard of ADD. I've got ADDDDDDDD. That's me. I got, you ever walk into a room and you're like, why am I here? Is, anybody, is that, am I the only person? You say, Pastor, that's old age. No, it's ADDDDD. You call it what you want, I'll call it what I want, all right? So, so I blame it on something else. But I just, I get distracted so easily. If I'm on my tablet, next thing you know, I'm checking Facebook, I'm checking emails, huh? I hear a ding, my phone goes off, a notification will come up. Oh, look, CNN just reported, you know? And so I just, and I'll get so sidetracked that I have to learn how to stand still. And it's not easy today because we have more distractions than we've ever had in the history of the world. We really have. When I grew up in church, we would, we would use this word that you almost never hear anymore, and it's the word Terry. Do, do you remember the word Terry? You ever hear the word Terry? Terry, you'd have services where they would just pray, and it was like pray until. And so, so you just show up and just wait. Man, we have trouble waiting. We have trouble being patient. We, we want instant. We want now. You know, we, I, I'm a, I know I stand by a microwave, and I'll, I'll put the microwave on for 18 seconds. I can hardly wait 18 seconds. I get it down to one. That's good enough. Uh, you know, I'm like, I couldn't wait one more second my whole life. I couldn't, you know. I know, am I the only one that does that? I mean, you're like, we're more impatient, more distracted. We got social media just in all, every facet of our life. We have got to learn how to stop and stand still. I know, I'm a parent. I know that if my kids aren't standing still, there's a good chance they're not listening. Huh? If they're not still and looking at me, there's a very good chance they're not listening. Stop. Stand still. Stop, stop being so distracted. Position yourself to hear the voice of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible tells the story of the children of Israel in Judah and Jerusalem, and here's what happened. These armies gathered together to attack them. There was a king at that time whose name was Jehoshaphat, and he had no idea what to do. No idea what to do. And in Second Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says a man stood up. His name was Jehaziel. Just, just, a, just somebody who stood up. He said, I feel like I have a word from God. And he began to give a word from God, and here was the word from God. Verse number 17 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Here's what Jehaziel said. He said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves in what? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Hallelujah. Now, how hard would it be to march in battle, 
knowing that there is army after army after army coming against you, and you've been told to just stand still. Just go out there and stand still. Huh? You ever see those war movies, battle scenes, where there's always a general or a leader, and here comes this incredible army, and they're always running like full speed, horses full speed, and they got swords out, and they got spears, and this general's just telling his guys, hold, you know, I get so nervous at those moments, I'm like, how long is he going to tell them to hold, right, hold, and like, here they come, and you know, the director put all this dr- drama, and the music's getting more intense, and you're like, hold, you know, that's what God wants you to do. You see everything just spinning out of control. The kids are going crazy. The marriage is going crazy. The finances are going crazy. You're in pain, your body. You've got all these different issues going on. And God is saying to you, hold, stop, wait. Don't do anything. Huh? Don't go down to cash a check. Huh? Don't try to give your kids that that other lecture that you've just been waiting to give them. They've heard enough from you. Hold, wait, stand still. And you position yourselves and you listen to the promise. That's what happened. First, they heard the promise from that prophet Jehaziel and then they saw the salvation of God. We just need to slow down, move away from our distractions, and position ourselves to hear the voice of God. The second thing is this, lean in. Lean in. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4. It says, incline your ear. He said, my son, listen, pay attention to my words, but then it says this word, incline, incline, incline your ear to my sayings. What does that mean? Because sometimes we read it and we, we just read right past it. The word incline in the Hebrew, right in this particular instance, actually means to stretch or to bend over. It involves physical movement. Lean in, lean in. Stretch yourself. Do something that you haven't done before. Huh? It has to be something that costs you. It has to be energy that you expend. I talked to a guy one time and he said, well, I, I pray on my way to work. That's great, but that's not really leaning in. I pray too in the car a lot. Usually after somebody cuts me off or something. Then I'll pray and ask God for forgiveness for all the thoughts that just came to my mind. But... But that's, that's, and listen, pray in the car. I'm not saying don't pray. Pray, worship, you need it today, okay? But that's, you're doing that anyway. You see what I'm saying? When, when God wants you to incline your ear, and he wants you to listen to his voice, what he's saying is, hey, lean in. Huh? It's as if there's, there's a whisper going on and you have to lean in to hear it. Huh? You say, well, why, God, why doesn't God just speak to me right where I'm at? Because you've got the TV on, your face is in the computer, you're on social media, li- you listen to all your, what your friends have to say. You have to stop all of that. And then you have to lean into the voice of God. Lean in. And when he sees you lean in, God begins to speak to your heart. 
In fact, I read this verse in so many different translations, but there was only one that I found that I really liked, and it was actually a paraphrase, not even a translation. And it says this in the voice. It says, My son, pay attention to all the words I am telling you. Lean in closer. Huh? Just lean in closer. Here's what God's saying to you. Just get closer. He's just saying, come on, lean in. Lean in. He wants to say something. Now, It's your responsibility to lean in. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is just minding his own business, right? He knows there's a call of God on his life. He knows that God is tugging at his heart, pulled on him, but he is absolutely running from God, and he'd been running from God for 40 years. That's a long time to run from God. And here he is, just minding his business. He's in the desert, and all of a sudden, he sees this bush on fire, And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 that he said, I will now turn aside. I will turn aside to see this great sight. Listen to what it says. And when God saw that Moses turned aside, what happened? God spoke. God said to him. God began to talk. God began to have a conversation with him. God is waiting for you to turn aside and he just is ready to speak in a very clear, concise way that you can understand. We sang today, Desperately Waiting, and, and what that, when we sing that song, it's not that we're waiting on God to finally notice us. No, no, no. The truth is, is we've positioned ourselves to wait for God and God has been waiting for us to start to wait for him. He's just waiting for us to to get in this position where we could stand still and then all of a sudden now we just lean in. We just lean in. And then the third one is this. And I'll end with this. We have to be obedient to his voice. We have to be obedient to his voice. Many times when Jesus would tell a parable, he would end the parable with this. He who has ears, let him what? Hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Why would Jesus say that? Everybody had ears. Probably. Most everybody had ears. So they had ears, so they had physical ears. No, he's not talking about physical ears. He's talking about spiritual ears. He who has spiritual ears, let him hear. Hear what? Hear the lesson, the moral of the parable. Here's what Jesus was actually saying. He taught about the kingdom of God, and then he would actually say this. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, he's saying this. Who's with me? Who's going to follow me? Huh? Who, who, wants to, who wants this life? Who wants to know more about what I'm talking about? And then Jesus would turn and he would just walk away. And the ones that wanted to hear his voice had to go where he was and follow him and be obedient to his voice. And the more you're obedient, the more you hear him speak because you've taken the time to develop a relationship with him. Huh? Why is it that people who are constantly doing their devotional life, constantly praying, very faithful in their church, why is it that they hear the voice of God more than others? Because they've positioned themselves through obedience, through obedience. Do you remember before there was cell phones, there was rotary phones? Do y'all remember those rotary phones where you stick the dial in, you stick your finger in, you know what you're doing? Uh, we had that, and then when we got the push button, it was like, wow. 
And then you got cordless, and that just blew your mind. I remember, I, remember, uh, I have a missionary friend who's in Africa. He was in Africa for years, and he came back to the States. He'd never heard of caller ID. Didn't know there was even such a thing. So he went to his sister's house. His brother-in-law picked up the phone, looked at it, and said to the wife, hey, it's your mother. And he thought to himself, these people are moving in the gifts of the Spirit in ways I've never seen. You know? And then they begin to explain to him, no, it's caller ID. You already know who it is. Listen now, you already know who it is before they ever, you ever hear their voice. But it doesn't always work like that with God. You have to listen to his voice and then determine, is this the voice of God? When my wife calls me, of course I see it on my phone, but even if I didn't see it, I would learn, I, I would pick up the phone and I, I would recognize her voice. Why? Because I've learned what she sounds like. I never have to go, who is this again? Huh? Now, my daughter and her are starting to sound more and more alike. So I just say, hey, baby, and I figure that covers everybody in the house. Hey, baby. And then I just wait. Is this Hannah or is this Cynthia? You know. So, so why? Because I've, I've taken the time to develop a relationship with her. Huh? And if you really want to hear the voice of God on a consistent basis, you have to be obedient. Because if God keeps speaking to you and you don't listen or you walk away or you ignore the voice of God, guess what will happen? The voice of God will become very rare to you. You won't hear it very often. Okay? And, and none of us wants that to happen. 